from high atop his mountain of index cards and tournament brackets, this is the Joy of Booking, a fantasy booking podcast. Here's your host, DC Matthews. Thank you, Brandon Banks, and welcome back to the Joy of Booking. I am DC Matthews at the DC Matthews, and oh, good golly. There's a lot going on right now, not only because uh, Hell in a Cell is this evening, as I sit and record this, um, there's a lot going on for me. Uh, we leave on vacation tomorrow, so there's a lot of packing and organizing. I don't know how people who own a house do it. It's a lot of work just, you know, having an apartment. Um, did you hold the mail? Have you made sure there is nothing in the refrigerator that will either go bad or begin to smell? Is all the trash out? Again, the smell. Is your laundry done? <clears throat> Should you leave any list of repairs for people to come in and do while you're away? Are the cars gassed up? Do you know where you're going? Do you know how you're getting there? Are you packed for everything? Do you have all the stuff you need? <sighs> like I said, if you have a house, I don't know how you do it and God help you. If you have kids, I just assume you never leave the house if you have children. Uh, <clears throat> besides even that, uh, there's a draft going on. It's currently, as I sit and record this, it's my pick. And I've traded my pick, I believe. I'm waiting for someone to confirm that so then I can announce it to the group and say, hey, I've just traded my first round pick for a third, fourth, and sixth round pick because I'm awesome and I don't need the top main event talent because look who you're talking to. I never want the top main event talent. So I'm keeping my eye on that. I've got the Corona Cup that I want to get to and week seven of the happening. This epic eight block uh, G1 style tournament that is really becoming a whole lot of fun. Far more work than I ever imagined I would put into it. Uh, but I think, I think, I think it's going to pay off. So I apologize in advance if I am even more all over the place than usual. There's a lot going on. So what I'd like to do is I'd like to get two things done on this episode because, again, I'm going on vacation. I will be away for almost an entire week. There will be no podcasting happening on this vacation. So I would like to do, this episode is going to be uh, the next episode of the Corona Cup, which is week 24, 23, 24. It's the next week of the Corona Cup. And I'd like to walk you through week seven of the happening, because again, really good stuff going on. So uh, this episode might be a little longer. Uh, buckle yourselves in. I'm going to be jumping back and forth. I figure... There are four pages of the tournament I want to get through. There are eight blocks of the G1 happening to talk about. So I figure I'll do a page of the Corona Cup. We'll talk about a couple of things happening in the happening. And then I'll go back and forth. Just to confuse you even more so you really have no idea what is going on. Okay? Okay. Glad you're with me on that. Uh. I have opened up to page 13 of the Corona Cup. We are on the back end. We're in the double losers bracket. That's where we're starting. Um, we'll get the triple losers discovered, and then we'll move on from there. So the first matchup, the amazing team of Jesse and Festus. Who would have ever guessed that looking at those two, it was going to be Festus who was going to wind up being... Having, I suppose we could say, a Hall of Fame career. Not WWE Hall of Fame, but a Hall of Fame career. Uh, taking on Stars and Stripes, Marcus Alexander Bagwell and The Patriot. I don't think we need to go through a lot of the rules here. Uh, they have a name. I know I've seen them. Jesse and Festus happened during my lost years. Not sure I ever watched them. Although I do recall that the bell would ring and Festus would change. So I must have seen something. Um... You know, I don't think there's a whole lot of historical context here. I know everyone involved, but I'm giving the win to Stars and Stripes. Jesse and Festus. 
uh, understandably in the triple losers bracket. Our other matchup is a little tougher. The Headhunters versus the Kingdom. Uh, the Headhunters lost to Kai and Tai and then to Cesaro and Swagger, the Real Americans. Uh, the Kingdom lost to Gallows and Anderson and then the Job Squad. Um, I'm torn because I haven't watched either of these teams much. I like the Headhunters. For big guys, they were pretty agile, pretty impressive. Uh, I don't remember much about the Kingdom. I'm assuming I'm talking about the Matt Taven, Mike Bennett version, or Mike Canellis, or whatever you want to call him. Uh, <clears throat> I'm assuming that's the version where we're speaking of. They were probably Ring of Honor tag champions. I have so many tabs open already between the draft and all of the things for that. I don't want to look up what the Kingdom did. I don't know that I've watched the Kingdom wrestle as a tag team. I know I've watched the Headhunters, so I'm going to go ahead and say that the Headhunters win and the Kingdom, an unlucky uh, recipient of the Triple Losers bracket, that dubious honor. Obviously, Jesse and Festus deserve to be there. The Kingdom probably don't, but what can you do? Moving to the uh, tournament proper, we're in the second round. Winners advance, of course. Losers get moved into the consolation bracket, top down, meaning whoever loses this first match goes on to face the bottom of the bracket. So we try to avoid rematches. Uh, this first one is very easy. The Usos versus the team of Angelico and Jack Evans. Angelico and Evans, good team. Would be a great high-flying matchup, but clearly the Usos need to win. Usos are one of the best teams ever, even if right now it seems as if they're going to wind up feuding with each other for a while, perhaps. Who knows where that storyline goes. Angelico and Evans will take on the job squad. <clears throat> the team of Hulk Hogan and Mr. T. That might be the matchup where we established the importance of historical context. Um, taking on the Varsity Club. Now, forgive me, because this is the... Which version of the Varsity Club is this? How do I not... Ugh, I'm sure that is written down somewhere. All right, I will look it up. I didn't want to use my Chromebook. There's too much going on, but I do need to know. I'm pretty sure the Varsity Club's going to win either way. It gives me a chance to glance at the Twitter chat. Nope, still no trade to announce. <sighs> still waiting. Always waiting. All the time waiting. All right, let me do this, highlight this column that was shaded back when I was doing things trying to be totally random and now I can release that the time for randomness is over so now I can search for varsity <clears throat> so, all right so this is Kevin Sullivan and Steve Williams not the why can't I see that not the rotunda in Williams that happened earlier all right that helps. Uh, so this is Sullivan and Wyndham, or Sullivan and Williams. And yeah, I'm still giving the win to them. They have a name. Uh, they wrestled more than once as a team, which I'm not sure if we can say the same for Hogan and Mr. T. Uh, yes, there was historical context for Hogan and Mr. T, but that is not enough. That got them past Stars and Stripes. It will not get them past the Varsity Club. Um, Hogan and Mr. T, <laughs> interestingly enough, funny how that works, will be taking on the Real Americans. That would be entertaining. Hulk Hogan, Real Americans. You, 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 you get it. You get where I'm going. You, you understand. You're picking up what I'm putting down. All right. Uh, men on a mission taking on Kai and Tai. Who? Uh, again, which Kai and Tai? Is this Taka? and Funaki, or is this Togo and Teo? It's Togo and Teo. I have the spreadsheet open. I might as well just keep it there. Uh, <clears throat> I like Togo and Teo. That was, that was entertaining. I always love when people I don't know show up on my screen. Back 
in the day before the internet. It happened so much more often. Um, but I don't think they won tag belts. Men on a Mission won tag belts. The, the, the outfits, the wrapping. I suppose Men on a Mission deserve this one. I don't love it, but it's true. Kai and Tai. Oh, Kai and Tai taking on big, big people here. It's so seriously. Okay. The Headhunters, two big guys. Men on a Mission, two bigger guys. And now they're taking on Keith Lee and Shane Taylor. These poor boys are getting squashed, literally, all throughout this tournament. Our final matchup here on page 13 is the team of Eddie Gilbert and Tommy Rich. I believe we've had a hot tag on them from our good buddy Jeremy. Taking on Gallows and Anderson. And this is the number two seeded Gallows and Anderson, so this is New Japan Bullet Club Gallows and Anderson. Maybe closer to what they're doing in Impact, but I honestly don't know what they're doing in Impact right now. And yeah, as much as I'm sure uh, Gilbert and Rich were good, Gallows and Anderson, like I said, Hall of Fame team, mostly due to their work in New Japan. So I will give them the win. Gilbert and Rich will take on the demolition team of Smash and Crush, not the OG demolition. <clears throat> so our third round matchups, Usos versus Varsity Club. Love it. Got it be a lot of fun to watch and then men on a mission versus gallows and anderson i'd watch it there's some entertainment value there all right i need you to take off your corona cup cap <laughs> merch idea corona cup cap and i need you to put on your cap for the uh happening and i want to take you as we we start off week seven <clears throat> of the happening we're going to start with NXT. Now, I'm going to paint a picture for you, tell you kind of where we are in terms of the leaderboard um, heading into week seven. So after six weeks, Kyle O'Reilly has a narrow lead over both Isaiah Swerve Scott and Pete Dunne. I think it's like a 10-point lead. So decent, but, you know, depending on the, how the winds of fate go, Kyle O'Reilly could lose this lead heading into week seven. Uh, we begin with matches. Full disclosure, I decided to, usually I randomize which matches happen when in terms of my rolling dice. Uh, I actually went through and based on the matchups, went f booked it first to fifth. So the higher profile matchups would happen near the end. Part of what made it fun. Uh, Austin Theory, eighth place. LA Knight, sixth place. Neither really in contention at this point. Um, and Austin Theory picks up the win, defeating uh, L.A. Knight. Uh, Theory moves up to sixth place, now has 55 points. His first win since week four. L.A. Knight is on a four-week losing streak. There was a time where L.A. Knight was pretty close. I can actually go back and look here. Uh, he was leading... A week, well, okay, I suppose only in week two. But there was a week, one single week, where LA Knight was leading the charge, uh, but a four-week losing streak for the million-dollar champion. Not good. Not good at all. Uh, Killian Dane, fourth place, significantly behind uh, Swerve and Dunn. But still, fourth place, strong position. You know, a couple big wins. He's right up there in contention, taking on Roderick Strong, who is in ninth place. Uh, but Strong got the win, pinned Killian Dane. Strong, earning 20 points, still in ninth place. That's how further ahead everyone else is. His first win since week three of the happening. Dane drops down to fifth place. Same amount of points as Austin Theory, but has a tiebreaker win over him. But again... Probably, probably over for Killian Dane in terms of being able to contend in uh, the happening. Dexter Loomis, who had gone 0 for 4 on a two-week winning streak, has worked his way up to seventh place, taking on Isaiah Swerve Scott in second place with 70 points, 10 points behind Kyle O'Reilly, who is the leader heading into week seven. We get a time limit draw between Loomis and Scott. That snaps... Uh, Loomis's win streak. Remember, 20 points for a pinfall or submission, 15 for a countout, 
10 for a disqualification, only five for a time limit draw. Drops him down to eighth place. Uh, now, Swerve gets the five points, which puts him in second place ahead of Pete Dunn, and only five points behind Kyle O'Reilly. But then again, Dunn and O'Reilly still have to compete. So not what you want to see if you're Swerve Scott. He was hoping for some more points. Cameron Grimes. Poor, poor Cameron Grimes. One win, four losses, one time limit draw, 15 points, bottom of the bracket, and he's taken on the block leader, Kyle O'Reilly, 80 points in first place. However, thanks to some interference from Pete Dunn and Oni Lorcan, Cameron Grimes gets the count-out victory, uh, thereby keeping Kyle O'Reilly from scoring any points. He's still in first place. But now Pete Dunn's in a stronger position. He hasn't wrestled yet. Uh, Cameron Grimes, yes, he gets 15 points, doubling his total, still in last place. But nice to get a win. He now has two wins. Uh, so Dunn and Lorcan, interesting story how this works out. They keep Kyle O'Reilly from scoring. But they're in the main event. It's Dunn versus Lorcan. And Pete Dunn is expecting Oni Lorcan to lose on purpose, where, where he's hoping for a kind of finger poke of doom situation because if uh, Pete Dunn picks up a pinfall victory or even a countout victory, he's automatically in first place since Kyle O'Reilly didn't score. Oni Lorcan won't do it. Oni Lorcan will not lay down for Pete Dunn. Wants the fight. If he loses, that's fine. But he wants the fight. He wants it to be competitive and Oni gets the win. Biggest win, perhaps, of his entire career. Pinning Pete Dunne. So now, not only does Kyle O'Reilly stay in first place, again only by five points, not only does Pete Dunne stay at 70 points, Oni Lorcan had 50 points and was in fifth place. He's now tied with Pete Dunne for points and has the tiebreaker win. So as we head out of week seven, O'Reilly in first, Swerve in second, Lorcan and Dunn tied for third. Now let's look ahead. Two matchups left to go in the happening for these people. O'Reilly, got to face Roderick Strong, got to face Pete Dunn. That O'Reilly-Dunn match is going to be huge in terms of point values. Swerve Scott, Dane, facing Killian Dane and Roderick Strong. Neither competitive uh, in terms of point values, but both strong competitors. Not going to be easy to win, but he's at least not having to face anyone else in the top four. Oni Lorcan, it's got to be Austin Theory and Killian Dane. And Pete Dunn, L.A. Knight and Kyle O'Reilly. So, big matchup coming up in either week eight or week nine. We'll see which one it is between... Kyle O'Reilly and Pete Dunn, one to watch for in NXT. Let's go from the American NXT to the UK. Trent Seven has been leading for weeks. Flash Morgan Webster, right there. I believe only five points separate them. I'm in the wrong spread. Too many spreadsheets. Goodness gracious. Too many spreadsheets. Uh, yeah, only five points separate Trent Seven and Flash Morgan Webster. But you've also got Bailey Matthews, no relation, Joe Kofi, and Tyler Bate. They're all in the mix. So this is a competitive block. Uh, we begin again. You know, Nathan Frazier, 10th place, only one win, similar position to Cameron Grimes. And Dave Mastiff. Dave Mastiff is, I believe, in fifth place. So he's he could contend. You know, a couple strong showings from him and some bad luck for everybody else. There's a statistical possibility that Dave Mastiff could, except he lost to Nathan Frazier. Nathan Frazier picks up the pin. His first win since week three. We've said week after week how good he looks, how strong he's looked in this tournament. Can he keep it going? We'll have to see. And yeah, with this loss, Dave Mastiff in sixth place, probably out of contention at this point. Tough luck for the Bomber. Eddie Dennis in ninth, taking on Joe Kofi, who is in fourth place with 60 points. We get another time limit draw. 
Uh, poor Eddie Dennis. This is his fifth week out of seven where he has been in last place in his block. And uh, Joe Kofi, you know, 65 points remaining in fourth place right now, but makes it, again, much more difficult for him to see a path to winning this block with that uh, draw. His third draw of the tournament. Rough luck for the guy in the raincoat. Rampage Brown, 40 points, seventh place, taking on our second place block leader, Flash Morgan Webster, and Flash continues his meteoric run. He's getting tips from Armbar Abbott, must be. Uh, Flash picking up a pinfall over Rampage Brown. He is now in first place. Again, haven't seen Trent Seven yet, but he's now now got 95 points. Trent Seven needs a pin to get that lead back. Uh Rampage Brown, ninth place. Only a tiebreaker over Eddie Dennis is keeping him out of the basement. We get Trent Seven. Trent Seven, Tyler Bate got back-to-back matches. Mustache Mountain out in full force. Bate is in Seven's corner, taking on Ilya Dragunov. Dragunov in eighth place. Right now he's playing spoiler. And a little bit of argument happening between Mustache Mountain. Trent Seven... Can't seem to find a way to victory. Tyler Bate keeps offering him advice, keeps trying to coach him. Trent Seven doesn't want his coaching. He's the older guy. He's the veteran. He's leading the block. Doesn't want to hear about it. The arguing happens so much even that they get distracted, and Ilya picks up a count-out victory. Now, that puts Ilya, first time winning two matches in a row, moves him up to seventh place, which is nice, I guess. But the real story is Trent Seven, because uh, he's now in second place. He cannot beat Flash Morgan Webster. Flash Morgan Webster is going to be in first, heading out of week seven. And if Bailey Matthews, who's about to come out and wrestle Tyler Bate, if he gets a pinfall win, now Trent Seven's in third. So out comes Bailey Matthews. Bailey Matthews, third place. Tyler Bate, fifth place. Two contenders. A win puts them in the conversation. More for Matthews than for Bate. More arguing. Bate and Seven aren't done. They're arguing. They're getting in each other's face. Bailey Matthews comes over to try to make the peace. He wants the match to happen. He wants to get down and get into this. Trent Seven pops Bailey Matthews in the face. That's a disqualification for Tyler Bate. Bailey Matthews picks up the win. Now it's a disqualification win. Keeps Matthews in third place. Was that intentional? Keeping Bailey Matthews from getting higher than Trent Seven? I wouldn't think so. Trent Seven seems like an honorable guy, right? Bate picks up the loss. He's now in fifth place. He's out of it, essentially. No, it doesn't really see a way. He's got to pin his next two opponents, and Flash Morgan Webster has to lose, and everyone else has to do much, very little. In order for Bate to win. Was that intentional? I mean, surely not. Trent Seven's an honorable guy, right? So here's where we stand after seven weeks in NXT UK. Flash Morgan Webster, 95 points. He's got to take on Dave Mastiff and Joe Kofi. Trent Seven, 80 points. He's got to take on Rampage Brown and Tyler Bate. And I will tell you, Tyler Bate's matchup that week, that's week eight, seven versus bait. So a big match coming up next week. Bailey Matthews got to take on Dragunov and Dennis. If he wins with a little luck, Bailey Matthews could take this whole thing. So that's what's been happening in the first two weeks of the happening. So take off your happening hat. <laughs> Merch idea, happening hat. Put the Corona cap back on. Let's jump around, but first, let's check. Nope, still no way to make a draft announcement. The person I need to hear from has disappeared. And it's not like I can announce it because he's still on the clock anyway, so it's just sad. Page 14. Uh, the Sullivan Brothers, Kevin and Evad taking on British Ambition, which I believe is Neville and Oliver Gray. I believe that was the name of that one. Uh, I liked Kevin and Evad Sullivan. That was right when I first started watching WCW. But obviously, they should not get the win. 
over British ambition. So Kevin and Evad are in the triple losers bracket. And then we have CNA Wrestle Factory, Cedric and Caprice Coleman uh, taking on Gallows and Anderson, the WWE version, which, with the exception of being AJ Styles' lackeys, was terrible. I like Wrestle Silly, but whatever was happening with the scientists and Nurse Dana or whatever, like it was bad. So I'm giving the win to the CNC Factory and the WWE version of Gallus and Anderson, to me, belongs in the triple losers bracket. Turning the page. Money Incorporated, the number one ranked team on page 14, taking on Crime Time. The, the vignettes, the promos, the story writes itself. And as much as I respect Chad Gaspard, may he rest in power, uh, the win goes to Money Incorporated. Crime Time will take on the Beverly Brothers in the Constellations. Uh, the team of Booker T and Goldust will take on Hawkins and Ryder. I'm guessing these are the Edge. No, they probably aren't the Edgeheads because I would have called the Edgeheads the Edgeheads. So this is most likely just Hawkins and Ryder, the more current version that won the titles briefly after that huge losing streak. I liked Booker T and Goldust. Some of my greatest moments watching wrestling for the very first time with Doc Manson was when Goldust had the electrocution, Tourette's, or what have you. Hawkins and Ryder taking on Rapongi 3K in the Constellations. Uh, the Thrill Seekers, Lance Storm and Chris Jericho, excellent team. Two young guys who would grow up to be Hall of Fame-worthy talents taking on Team Hell No, a Hall of Fame-worthy tag team. Tough luck for the Thrill Seekers. Uh, in a different bracket, on a different page, they would have easily won, but instead they lose to Team Hell No. Thrill Seekers will take on the Dirty Blondes. And then we have the Sandman and Tommy Dreamer taking on the Sheep Herders. Now, this is the Bushwhackers when they were crazy, bloodthirsty, not licking anybody's heads. And I really liked that. This would be a great ECW matchup, but I am giving the win to the Sheep Herders, if only because they had a name. Sandman and Dreamer go into the Constellations to take on X Factor. Our round three matchups, we got Money, Inc. versus Booker T. and Goldust. That should be fun. And then Team Hell No versus the Sheep Herders, which would also be quite enjoyable. I'm realizing I'm spending more time doing the happening than I am doing the Corona Cup. You'll forgive me. It's newer. It's more a little bit more exciting. But I also love the Corona Cup. I'm excited to see where it goes. Uh, cap off. Hat on. Back to the happening. It's SmackDown. Uh, Cesaro and Chad Gable are neck and neck. They are, in fact, only five points away, much like Seven and Webster in NXT UK. Cesaro leading with 90 points. Gable right behind him with 85. Otis is still lurking around at 70. He could have a good day. We'll see what happens in week seven. Kevin Owens. Rough. There, there's three guys in the SmackDown block that are just having the worst time. Kevin Owens, Big E, and Apollo Crews. They are all one win, four losses, one draw. They all have, only have 25 points. They are all at the bottom of the block. Owens is taking on Shane Thorne. Shane Thorne's record technically stands at 3-3, three and three, but he is undefeated. Remember, he replaced Buddy Murphy when Buddy Murphy stopped showing up. Uh... Thorne wins again, remaining undefeated, pinning Kevin Owens. Thorne, four and three, 70 points, fifth place. What a showing for Shane Thorne. Makes you wonder if he had been here since the beginning, would Cesaro still be in first? I honestly don't know. Poor KO just looks KO'd. Just a despondent, depressed guy. Makes you wonder if he's just going to pack it up and go too. He's got a family. Why does he keep coming to these matches? only to lose over and over again. Otis, 70 points, third place, taking on Apollo Crews, who, as I said, in the bottom looking up. Otis wins by disqualification because uh, between Apollo Crews and Commander Aziz, they are just super frustrated, and 
when it looks like Otis is going to get yet another pinfall win, Aziz just comes in and takes out the smaller guy. Rare that Otis is considered the smaller guy, but in this case he is. And uh, they just lash out. That's how they express their frustrations. Otis wins by disqualification. Like an elevator, Otis keeps rising. You're welcome. Uh, he is moves up to 80 points, stays in third place. Even if Gable and Cesaro both lose, Otis is still in third place. But that's not a bad place to be with two weeks left. Still a good chance for Otis to contend. Chad Gable, second place. Four wins, 85 points, taken on Big E. Big E could play a big spoiler, and he is just a big disappointment losing once again by pinfall to Chad Gable. Chad Gable, 105 points. Are you kidding me? First place. Cesaro needs a pinfall to get that lead back. Similar position to where Trent Seven was in NXT UK. Uh, Big E, again, looks morose. Looks like he just took his last name all over again. Interesting, though, as he we, the cameras follow him backstage and he is meet, met by Kevin Owens and the two of them sort of begin talking. What does that mean? Are they going to form a tag team? Are they going to help each other out? Are they both going to, you know, join the circus somewhere? Interesting to see where that goes here in The Happening. Uh, Shinsuke Nakamura, seventh place. Sami Zayn, fourth place. Big battle here. Zayn picking up the win. Zayn, 80 points. Ties Otis for third place. Still competitive. Zayn's still in this thing. Uh, Nakamura at seventh place. If it wasn't for Biggie and Cruz and Owens, it could be Shinsuke that we're talking about being at the bottom here. Our main event, Alistair Black, 55 points, fifth place, taking on Cesaro, 90 points. Our f- was in first place, now currently in second. Cesaro wins, but it's by countout. The two of them brawling, trading kicks and uppercuts and punches all over the ring, barely able. They realize kind of at the last minute they got to make it back to the ring. There's a race. Black seemingly held back by some sort of interesting forces. I don't know what's going on. Can't get seem to get started. You know when you have those dreams and you're trying to run somewhere and your body's not moving because technically your physical body is paralyzed because you're dreaming and they don't want you sleep running around? Kind of what it looked like with Aleister Black. Cesaro barely... Makes it back into the ring. Gets that count-out victory. He is now tied with Chad Gable. 105 points each at the top of their block. Alistair Black fighting this whatever force is holding him back. The lights go out. There's this big column of smoke. And when the lights come back on, Alistair has faded to black. He's gone. I don't know where he went. Uh, He was there, now he's not. Will he be back for week eight? Is he gone forever? If so, is someone coming out to take his place? Questions abound as we end week seven smackdown happening. Uh, Cesaro and Gable, 105 points each. Cesaro does have the tiebreaker win over Gable, which is the only saving grace. Cesaro's two matches against Apollo Crews and Big E. Cesaro's got the two, two of the three guys at the bottom of the barrel. It's a good spot to be in. Gable also has to wrestle Apollo Crews and then Shane Thorne. Less good for Gable because Shane Thorne looks nigh unstoppable. So Apollo Crews, real big chance to play spoiler heading into this. As for Zayn and Otis, Otis excuse me, they're tied for third place. They do have to wrestle each other. Zayn has to wrestle Owens, just like he will at Hell in a Cell tonight. Otis will have to wrestle again Shane Thorne. So Apollo Crews and Shane Thorne in a very powerful position could be spoiler spoilers for people who want to win their block. Uh, Interestingly enough, all of the men's singles action happened four days in a row. So let's turn to Monday Night Raw. Jinder Mahal has a 20-point lead over Umberto Carrillo. And honestly, uh, I'm not sure there's anyone else in contention. Cedric is 10 points behind Umberto. Gulak, Gulak, five points behind Cedric. 
Jinder might be running away with this, depending on how things work here in week seven. Mustafa Ali, zero wins. Last place, Keith Lee, two wins, ninth place. Battle of the two bottom feeders here. And finally, after six long weeks, Mustafa Ali gets his first win, pinning Keith Lee. None of the places change. It doesn't really matter, but Ali at least will not end with a goose egg. Shelton Benjamin, seventh place. Drew Gulak, fourth place. Interestingly enough, they both have the exact same record. Two wins, two losses, two draws. Gulak has a couple more pinfalls or maybe even just one more pinfall win. So he has a 10-point lead. All for naught, though, because Shelton pins Drew. Shelton hasn't lost since week three. Gets himself up to fifth place. Likely not in contention, just looking for a strong finish here in the happening. And Gulak just proves that while Jinder's far, far above the rest of the rabble, uh, there's a good chunk of competition going on there in the middle. Uh, he was fourth, now he's eighth. Shows how, how quickly things can change here in the happening. Ricochet, fifth place. Cedric Alexander, third place. Cedric has to win to stay competitive. Doesn't. Ricochet gets the pinfall win over Cedric Alexander. Um, Cedric has four wins, but only in sixth place. Those first three wins or so by disqualification. Coming back to hurt. That's 30 possible points that he left on the board. Ricochet, moving himself into second place has a tiebreaker win over Umberto Carrillo after weeks of just kind of existing in the middle. Now, once we're getting to the end, that ricochet is starting to soar, much like Prince Puma. Puma's fly, right? Umberto Carrillo, now in second place, needs that win uh, against Damian Priest. Doesn't happen. Priest gets the pinfall win, uh, picks up his first win in three weeks, too little, too late, but still, good for him. Uh, Humberto Carrillo can't seem to get it going, can't string wins together, has not won two matches in a row, I believe, this entire tournament. Uh, stays in third place, but again, tricky to, tricky to uh, win. And then we have Angel Garza, sixth place, taking on our leader, Jinder Mahal, four wins, zero losses, or at least that was the case. Angel Garza, that beautiful man, picks up the win, giving Jinder his first loss, and yet still way ahead. All three people who were in the top three. Uh, right? Hold on. Let me check. Yeah. All three lost. The top three all lost, which means that, yes, Jinder remains in the lead. Ricochet and Umberto, they're in the vicinity. They're actually... Counting Angel Garza, there's now three people with 65 points. Ricochet has a tiebreaker win over Umberto. Um, Garza in 60, uh, in 65th place, 65 points. So, again, Ginger's got a 20-point lead. Yes, he lost. Yes, he's not winning nearly as much as he did at the beginning of the tur tournament. He does have to wrestle Ricochet. That's going to be a big match here in the Raw Block. And Shelton Benjamin, but he has a big cushion. He has some wiggle room. He has some room for error here in this block. Ricochet needs to beat uh, Jinder to have any shot of winning this uh, and also has to wrestle Damian Priest. Umberto Carrillo and Angel Garza will wrestle each other. Garza will then wrestle Benjamin. Or no, Umberto will wrestle Benjamin. Garza has to wrestle Cedric Alexander. So... Will anyone be able to beat Jinder? We'll have to wait and see. I want to know who's going to beat people on page 15 of the Corona Cup. So let's go back there. Goodness, this is going to be a long episode. Uh, Johnny Hotbody and Tony Stetson. Oh, I have a soft spot in my heart for this team. Uh, enough so that they are going to defeat the team of Austin Aries and Roderick Strong. And I want to send a sincere apology to Roderick Strong because obviously this is not your fault. I'd like to believe that you just walked away and let Aries fend for himself. So I'll, we'll go with that. 
Uh, Neville and Corey Graves, who at one point I thought was British Ambition. When I first read British Ambition in the last page, Neville and Graves was who I thought of. And then I went, wait a minute, Graves isn't British. Uh, taking on the team of the great Sasuke and Jushin Liger. No names. I have seen... I don't know that I've seen either of these, actually. I'm, I missed the Corey Graves era. He was already done by the time I got to watching NXT. But I, I think, from a historical context, great Sasuke and Jushin Liger gotta be in there. So again, much like... Oh, who was it? The Kingdom. Tough luck recipients of the triple losers bracket for Neville and Graves. All right. The Steiner brothers will obviously defeat Blake and Murphy. Would be a fun match, but I don't think there's any question that the Steiners have to win that one. Uh, the Wolves and DeBaldis both have team names. Um... I've seen DeBaldi's. Have I seen the Wolves? I may have seen the Wolves in New Japan or Ring of... It sounds familiar to me. Uh, not really a whole lot of historical context. I can name the Wolves. Eddie Edwards, Davey Richards. Uh, Tony DeVito. Angel Medina. Oh, I can name the Baldies too. Hey, <laughs> good for me. Uh, I think I got to... You know, despite the fact that my rules probably would lean me towards picking DeBaldi's, I'm not picking DeBaldi's. DeBaldi's can go wrestle the Broserweights in the Constellations. The Wolves advance. Uh, Cactus Jack and Max Payne taking on the Hart Foundation. This is the Davy Boy Smith Jr., Brian Pillman Jr. version. And I like that team, actually. Uh, I got to get back into MLW this summer making that statement publicly, so somebody come nag me to make sure I watch MLW. Uh, Cactus and Max Payne. Oh, that would be a fun match. Taking on Jeff Jarrett and Matt Bourne. Might want someone to weigh in on that. Hint, hint. Wink, wink. Nudge, nudge. Uh, the main event mafia, Booker T and Scott Steiner, taking on the Lucha Brothers, Pentagon, and uh, Phoenix, and I'm giving the win to the Lucha Brothers. They're a good team. Main event mafia. Maybe it was good. I never watched it. They'll take on Power Warrior Hawk and Power Warrior Kensuke, Kensuke Sasaki in the Constellation. So our round three matchups for page five. Steiner Brothers versus the Wolves. A lot of fun there. Heart Foundation, again, versus Lucha Brothers. Hey, that's an MLW match. All right. Fun times. Great times, great oldies. Let us move back to the happening and to the women. And it was interesting. You know, I randomize all this stuff. So I have the match, the bracket pages for all the blocks in the order. And then I randomize it. And it had just happened to go all the guys, then the two women's blocks, and then tag teams to wrap it up. Funny how that works. Can I announce my draft yet? No, I cannot. I will announce it at the end of this episode, whether or not... Um, the Lone Stranger has confirmed, because this is ridiculous. All right. Uh, we begin with the women of NXT. Mako Satamora is in the lead. Dakota Kai right behind her. I believe only, again, it's that 80-70 that we've seen before. Uh, but also, Jesse Kamiya, Zia Lee, they're right there. Only five points behind Dakota Kai. Let's see what happens. Uh, Mercedes Martinez in eighth place, Santana Garrett in last place. This sort of thing happens in these sort of tournaments. The matchups that just don't mean anything. Can Santana pick up a second win? No, she cannot. Mercedes wins by count out. Mercedes has been getting frustrated, very similar to Shayna Baszler on the main block. Uh, takes it out on Santana, beats her up so badly outside the ring that Santana can't answer the 10 count. Mercedes gets the win, but despite that, uh, falls as a result of the events of week seven from eighth place to ninth place. So not sure where she's going to go from here with those final two weeks. Santana's just looking for a second win. It's probably all she's asking for. We're supposed to get Zia Lee versus Piper Niven. Zia Lee comes out. She's tied for third place with Jesse Camilla. Four wins, 65 points. 
Piper doesn't show up. In her place is Apha Valkyrie. I think I'm saying Apha's name right. Apha Valkyrie comes out. Where is Piper Niven? We do not know. But Apha comes out. She's going to take Piper's spot in the block and picks up a big win. Xia Lee was preparing for Piper Niven. Did not prepare at all for Apha Valkyrie. And in that unpreparedness, Apha was able to pick up the win, moving her, because she's a Dutch, she's taking Piper's record, three and four. Seventh place, out of contention, but, you know, can she, can she again? Can she finish strong? Will she be like Shane Thorne and be undefeated? That's sort of where she's going for. With the loss, Zia Lee's now tied for fifth place. Going to be hard to uh, to win at this point. She's 65 points. She's got to win and win big, especially if uh, some of the other competition winds up winning as Week 7 continues. Speaking of which, Jesse Camille was tied with Zia Lee. Perfect opportunity for her to get a win and get ahead of Zia Lee, get into the conversation with Dakota Kai and Mako, taking on Shotzi Blackheart. Shotzi's in seventh place. But it's not to be. Upsets abound. Shotzi picks up the pinfall win. She's now in fourth place, tied with Jesse Camilla, and has the tiebreaker win. So Shotzi's back up near the top of the block. Camilla, again, they both, she and both Zia Lee, both she, let me try to think before I speak, both she and Zia Lee needed a victory, and it was not to be. So. Will they be able to finish strong? Will they contend? There's a chance, but it's slim. Zaya Brookside, already at 60 points. She's in fifth place. Again, similar opportunities. Zaya Lee lost. Jesse Camille lost. If Zaya wins here, she leapfrogs over all of them, taking on Ember Moon. And Zaya Brookside capitalizes where her namesake Zaya Lee did not pinning Ember Moon, moving her up to second place. Now she has 80 points, jumping over Dakota Kai. Uh, even more pressure. This event, I should have said it at the beginning, Mako and Dakota are 1-2, wrestling each other in the main event. Brookside's now part of that conversation in second place. Ember Moon never really had the chance, never really got going in this tournament. Main event time. Dakota Kai, 70 points. Was second entering the night, now third, taking on Mako Satamora, the final boss, in first place. And the final boss is the final boss for a reason. She gets the win over Dakota Kai, pinning her, moving her up to 100 points, keeping her in first place. Dakota Kai, yet another one who did not capitalize on the opportunities. So after seven weeks, Mako Satamora at the top. Zaya Brookside solely in second place with 80 points. Dakota Kai in third. Shotzi and Kamiya and Jesse Lee. No, Zaya Lee. <laughs> Shotzi and Jesse Kamiya and Zaya Lee uh, in fourth and fifth, respectively. Uh, Mako's got to wrestle Zaya Brookside. We're going to have another matchup of our one and two at some point. And she also has to battle the newly entered the tournament. Afa Valkyrie. Zaya Brookside's got to beat the final boss and Santana Garrett. She's got to win both to win this block. All right. Moving on to the main roster. Mia Yim is in the lead. Nikki Cross and Liv Morgan, 10 points back. Shayna Baszler, who started out so strongly, cannot seem to get herself going. People, you know, her frustrations, other people's frustrations. It's rough for the Queen of Spades. Uh, our first matchup, Ruby Riot in seventh place versus Mandy Rose, who is in ninth. Mandy picks up the win. Ruby Riot, unlike so many others who seem to be disappearing, she's going to stick this one out. She says she's going to follow through. She's going to wrestle all the commitments. She's going to finish this block no matter what happens, even though she is now in ninth place. This is Mandy Rose's first win since week one. Eva Marie taking on Shayna Baszler. Eva chooses not to wrestle. Instead, she do drop Piper Niven in. <laughs> and uh, Piper beats Shayna by disqualification. Shayna cannot 
keep her frustrations in check, does not take the surprise well of having to wrestle uh, Dewdrop or Piper Niven. We're going to call her Piper Niven for the remainder of this tournament, if it's all the same to you, uh, and gets herself disqualified yet again. Piper picking up the win. Uh, Eva Marie was in last place. This is Eva's, Eva is celebrating like it is her first win, even though it belonged to Piper. Um, Shayna in fifth place. If she cannot get her frustration in check, she will not do well in this tournament, and it might already be too late. Carmella in eighth place versus one of the people tied for second, Liv Morgan, and we get a time limit draw, which is never good when you're contending. You want as many points as you can get. Five is just not enough. Liv Morgan falls to third place. Carmella playing the role of spoiler. Nikki Cross in second place. Can she take the opportunity that Liv Morgan did not? Taking on Naomi, who's in fifth place with 55 points. Naomi gets the win, pinning Nikki Cross, bouncing her up into the top spot, tied with Mia Yim, both at 75 points. Mia Yim hasn't wrestled yet, but now there's even more pressure for her to do well. Uh, Nikki had a must-win match, and she did not do it. Dana Brooke having to take on the block leader, Mia Yim. Mia's got to win to keep that lead, and she does. Pinning Dana Brooke, Naomi's celebration only lasted for one match because Mia is now back in first place with 95 points. Naomi in second, Liv Morgan in third. So it turned out... She only got the five points, but that's enough to keep her ahead of Nikki Cross. Mia Yim's got to take on Mandy Rose and Shayna Baszler. Naomi taking on Mandy Rose and Ruby Riot. Liv Morgan's got to battle Nikki Cross and Shayna. Nikki Cross taking on Liv Morgan and Carmella. So it will be interesting to see how that plays out. I want to see how page 16 plays out so with that amazing segue let's go right into the corona cup um the team of joey ryan and candace larray uh loses doesn't even bother showing up to the rock and roll rpms who do not make it into the uh triple losers bracket shockingly the heartthrobs losing to the southern boys because I don't want Jeremy to kill me. So Romeo and Antonio are in the triple losers bracket. The Funk Brothers go heading over to the main block of the tournament, the tournament proper. The Funk Brothers, Terry and Dory, pick up a win over the Holly Cousins. It was a lovely uh, battle of family. The Hollies get to take on two other super heavyweights in the Bouncers, Brian Malonis and the Beer City Bruiser. The team of Ricky Steamboat and Shane Douglas are going to lose to the team, another Shane, McMahon, and his daddy Vince. The McMahon family defeats Ricky Steamboat and Shane Douglas. Steamboat and Douglas now have to take on the Megabucks. Uh, the Long Riders, the Irwin Brothers, valiantly fight and lose to the team of Dean Ambrose and Seth Rollins. The Long Riders will take on the Hype Bros. Hopefully they will have better luck there. And then American Alpha and the Heavenly Bodies. I did expect a hot tag from Jeremy on this. It did not happen. So I get to decide. You know, I... American Alpha was a great team. I loved the Ready, Willing, and Gable. I loved that Jason Jordan was uh, not receptive to it, and it kind of grew on him, and then they became a great team. They have perhaps my favorite tag match of all time with the Revival. However, short. Jason Jordan's injury, the whole Kurt Angle father thing, ended that team probably a little too soon. So I'm going to go ahead and give the win to the Heavenly Bodies. American Alpha will take on the Bollywood Boys in the Constellations. So our page 17 third round matchups. It's a family affair. Terry and Dory Funk 
taking on Vince and Shane McMahon. That would be a lot of fun to watch. And then Ambrose and Rollins taking on the Doctor of Desire, Tom Pritchard, and the gigolo, Jimmy Del Rey. Heavenly bodies. Again, I feel like uh, I've sort of co-opted this episode of the Corona Cup and spent way more time talking about the happening. I hope you've enjoyed both, and I hope you still enjoy it, because we got two more things to talk about. We haven't talked about tag teams yet. Uh, in the main roster tag teams, the New Day is rolling, 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 rolling. Probably the most dominant uh, part of any of the blocks. Mysterio's just trying to stay competitive. We begin with uh, two teams that everyone expected to do well and have not. The Usos, who are in eighth place, and the Street Profits, who are in last place. The Usos pick up the win. They move into sixth place. They're just trying to end this with some dignity and not making Roman Reigns unhappy. The frustrations continue to mount for the Street Profits, so much so that after the loss, Montez Ford walked away. You know, Angelo Dawkins trying to console him. Montez just walked off. I'm not saying that the team's going to break up. I'm not saying that. But just frustrated. When you're one win, five losses, and only one draw, you're going to be a little frustrated. The Viking Raiders in fifth place, taking on perhaps the most surprising competitor in any of the blocks, T-Bar and Mace. Three wins, three losses. They are in fourth place in this tournament, and they pick up a win again over the Viking Raiders. It's almost as if uh, T-Bar and Mace, T-Bar specifically, are ridiculously good wrestlers saddled with a weird gimmick. T-Bar and Mace are now at 70 points. That puts them in third place. Now, the New Day is flying so high, I don't know if anyone could catch him, but I don't think anyone expected T-Bar and Mace to be in third place. Good for them. The Viking Raiders fall to seventh place. Speaking of seventh place, that's where AJ and Omos were heading into week seven, taking on the Lucha House Party, who are in sixth place. AJ and Omos get the win, snapping a three-match losing streak. Poor Grand Metallic and Lince Dorado. As much as I love Lince Dorado, uh, just a little too small for some of the size in this block. Uh, a T, a matchup of the heeliest heels that ever healed. The Dirty Dogs taking on the Miz and John Morrison. Morrison and Miz are in third place. Again, probably should have mentioned the main event of this is the Mysterios versus the New Day. I should make sure to write that down in my little notes that I'm reading from as I do this. I know you're saying, you're making so many mistakes. Are you sure you're reading? Yeah, I am. I'm just dumb. Uh, Miz and Morrison were in third place, but they lose by disqualification. Got out-cheated by the dirty dogs. They're so dirty. Those dogs are so dirty. Uh Dirty Dogs staying in ninth place. It's all over but the shouting for them. They're just trying to annoy as many people as they can. Uh, Miz and Morrison fall to fourth place now behind T-Bar and Mace. Uh, they need a miracle to even come close to winning. Sets up our main event. Mysterios, 80 points, second place. New Day, 95 points, first place. Big main event feel, and we get a time limit draw. Mysterios aren't happy. The New Day's not happy. The fans aren't happy. There's a, almost a riot. We want action. We want to see a winner. And so they go, fine, we'll go into overtime. So they set up a five-minute overtime period, and that ends with a draw. So they set up another five-minute sudden death. We mean it this time. We're not fooling around. Nope, sorry. Hate to get your hopes up, but you're not going to know who the winner is because it was a draw. They tried three times, and no one could beat the other. Uh, the Mysterios miss a golden opportunity to take the lead. Uh, it is worth noting, a couple of times, looked like Dominic Mysterio was trying to cheat. Just saying. Got himself disqualified for that a couple weeks ago. Papa Ray not happy trying to get him to fly right. Uh, as for the New Day, 
They get to 100 points. They are in first place. Still undefeated, by the way. Five wins, zero losses, two draws. But they can't be fully comfortable because they only have a 15-point lead over the Mysterios. The New Day will be taking on the Street Profits, if they're still even a team, and the Miz and Morrison. The Mysterios have to beat the Viking Raiders and AJ and Omos going up against some size for another relatively undersized team. T-Bar and Mace have to take on the Usos. And once again, those cheating, no good, dirty dogs. Just like saying that. Uh, So while very difficult to foresee a path to victory for T-Bar and Mace, it is worth noting they are the team's They're the team that is taking on the bottom third of this bracket. So if they win the matches they are supposed to win, we could be having the upset of a lifetime here. Let us end this with the tag teams of NXT. Everrise, Pretty Deadly, and The Hunt. They keep trading places at the top. When it's them, then it's them, then it's them. They're all in this. Timmy and Tommy, they're on the outside looking in, but they're close. They're, They're, you know... A dangerous group to have in fourth place. We begin with MSK versus the Grizzled Young Veterans. Fifth place versus ninth place. Grizzled Young Veterans get their second win of the tournament, pinning MSK. They are better than their record shows, obviously, moving up to eighth place. Uh, Not that MSK was in it, but if they had any chance of winning, they needed this victory, so they are pretty much done at this point. The Hunt, third place, taking on Gallus, who is in 10th, and Gallus gets the win. How many people are going to have these golden opportunities and squander them? Gallus gets the win. Uh, Again, Gallus isn't in this tournament, but at least they got to ruin somebody else's day. The Hunt stays at 70 points, stays at third place. They need to win their next two matchups. Timmy and Tommy, fourth place. Opportunity for them to take uh, a top three spot since the Hunt failed, taking on Legato de Fantasma and squandered Timmy, squandered Tommy. Legato picks up the win. They are now in fourth place with that tiebreaker win over Timmy and Tommy. If ever Rise loses, they're real. They're they're in the hunt. Forgive me, sorry, T Bone and Primate. Uh, as for again, like my little note here, lots of people not capitalizing on opportunities. We have Ever Rise, first place taking on Imperium, eighth place golden opportunity. Will they squander it like so many people had before them? Of course not. They're amazing and they drink coffee. Everrise picks up the win. They're at 100 points. They are in first place. They cannot be unseated from first place. Pretty Deadly has to win just to stay competitive at this point. Imperium may need to hide the next time they hear that Walter's coming around. Pretty deadly, must-win situation, taking on Breezango in sixth place, and pretty deadly, yeah, boy, uh, they win. They again. Pretty deadly and Ever Eyes not going to squander their opportunities. Uh, deadly is in nine. Ugh. Deadly has 90 points, second place. Breezango, you have to wonder, if they're looking across the ring at pretty deadly, Sam Stoker and Lewis Howley, hey, I know their names. Uh, you have to... We have to wonder, are Tyler Breeze and Fandango looking across the ring and going, this is what we could have been. We were the dancer and the model. We could have become pretty deadly, except we became an amazing comedy act. Don't get me wrong. I love Breezango. But pretty deadly even has the blonde hair, dark hair thing. Like that's That could be in an alternate universe. That's Tyler Breeze and Fandango right there. So, Everrise has a 10-point lead. Uh, There is a matchup with Pretty Deadly on the horizon, though. That's a big win for both teams. They got a big matchup. Uh, They also are taking on Gallus. Will Gallus play spoiler yet again? Pretty Deadly's got a rough time. They've got to take on not only Everrise, but Timmy and Tommy. The Hunt has to beat Legato and MSK. 
And with the Ever Rise win, uh, Legato, De Fantasma, and Timmy and Tommy uh, cannot hope to win this tournament because they, even if they win both their matchups and Ever Rise loses, they're tied at 100. Ever Rise has a tiebreaker over both those teams. So they are out of contention. It is a three team race in NXT heading out of week seven. Uh, I am going to announce, still waiting on, no, I'm, I'm going to say, to keep the draft moving, even though it hasn't been confirmed. I will call a trade alert. I am trading my first round pick to Lone Stranger 81 for his third, fourth, and sixth round picks. Yes, I could take Roman Reigns right now. Uh, just in case you're curious, we're doing this draft, the POB draft. Uh, Walter was the first pick, then Randy Orton for some reason, Brandon Banks. That's an odd choice. Pretty Deadly and Pete Dunne. I could take Roman Reigns. He is not on my list in terms of the strategy I want, but I could have taken him. But instead, I am going to get three top six round picks uh, for this. So I think very good choice on my part. I'm too, I, want, I want some serious, serious quantity with also a bit of quality. All right there, friends. We did a lot in this hour and seven minutes. Uh, we did four pages of the Corona Cup. We did an entire week of the happening, and I made a trade, so it's a good day. I hope you had fun. Hope you enjoy your week. I'll see you when I get back from vacation. I'll be rested. I'll be refreshed. I will be ready to embrace the joy of booking. See you next time.